Benvenuti, ciao ragazzi, to the third episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio from the Far From Vesuvius Network. My name is Henry Bell. I am your co-host today. I am in the west of Scotland, so right at the edge of the very big shadow. But I am joined by the one, the only, at Napoli Tickets on Twitter, Michele Borelli, who is literally in the shadow of Vesuvio in Naples. Ciao, Michele. How's it going? How is Napoli oggi? Ciao, Henry. Ciao, everybody. It's fine. It's fine. I think spring has arrived. You know, we always talk about the weather at the beginning of this podcast, but that's literally like while I record this podcast, I literally have the Vesuvius in front of me. I'm not even joking. Like my my window actually faces the Vesuvius. Please take and... a picture and we will we will tweet it out. So I, will... <laughs> I will. I will. And wait, okay. Talking about the weather, I know it's a very it's a very British thing to do. I'm sorry, but last week I said. 16 degrees in March is the stuff of a madman's dreams in Scotland. Well, today it is 19 degrees, Michele. And I think it's all down to you. <laughs> I, I think so too. Yes, I agree. Great. Is, I think it's 18, 18, 16, 17, something like that. But very sunny, very sunny. So you're saying that the Paisley is sunnier than Napoli. Anyway, this won't mean very much to many, many people, unless you know Scottish geography incredibly well. Um, so not only did you influence... Uh, Spalletti with his change of 4-3-3 you're now influencing the weather gods Michele like is there nothing you can do so tell me let's <laughs> let's paint a picture of the of the streets of of Naples the stories of what, what's going on over there we're going to talk a lot about football but let's not talk about football for a second what's the what's the word on the street what what are people talking about in Naples today you know I think spring has arrived and I think I'm, later I'm going to go out with the short sleeves but that's that's huge um but, you know, like we have huge problem with gas prices as everyone. Yeah. But I was telling you before too, I think they just like literally like today, they cut prices by something like 50 cents, 30 cents, something like that. And yeah, that's, that's huge, man. Because the, the gas here costs around, well, yesterday at least, 2 euros 20 per liter. Right. Which, I, yeah, I don't know how many gallons per dollar it is, but it's a lot. It's, a, it's like $10 per gallon, so something like that. I don't know. And it's uh, it's it's expensive. It's very expensive. But other than that, you know, you when... the gas price. We're all of us over here, are like you know, using our savings to pay the bills. But in not only do you get to live in a beautiful city like like Naples and follow a beautiful team like SSC Napoli, you can also have affordable gas prices. I mean, <laughs> fair enough. We have other problems too, if you want. But yeah, this is this is the the, the latest problem. But yeah, no, this... Napoli is definitely a nice place to live. I agree. I lived outside, I live abroad for, for many years and uh, I decided to come back just because, you know, I, I missed it too much. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, perhaps you're not just going to be getting DMs from people asking for, for tickets, but you're also now going to be getting real estate inquiries from people wanting to move. I already do. I already, uh, I already have people, a lot of people actually ask me where to move, you know, what's the best place in Napoli to move, not just to Seriously? stay a few nights. Yeah. Actually, move. Yeah, a few friends. Tell me that. I have a few on, friends actually, we're completely off script. So tell me, if you were in your alternative Napoli real estate hat, where where would you where would you recommend someone to move if they were just moving over? You know, the thing about Napoli is that it's very heterogeneous. So there are a lot of places. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Napoli, but there are very nice neighborhoods. You know, like Chiaia, which is on the seafront. Very nice public park. You know really nice and uh then there is vomero for example which is a which is on top of a hill and it's relatively new so it was built around the 50s the 60s so the architecture there is new and the urbanistic there is very new you know streets that kind of make sense there while in the in the historic center everything is narrow you know it's been built over the centuries so uh, it's very chaotic so you know it really depends you know napoli has something for everyone i feel but it's if you well, if you can afford it, I will. I always recommend to actually move to Vomero, which is the place on top of the hill. It's kind of well, it's chaotic on Saturday, maybe on, and on Friday, but you know, it's very, it's very nice. A lot of pedestrianized areas, 
a nice park called La Floridiana, yep. which is really, really nice. Beautiful. And yeah, it's a little bit far from all the Napoli chaos. But not and too far. So if you fancy, not too bit, far. Not if you fancy far. a bit of chaos, I mean, let's face it, we love a bit of chaos. Absolutely. But not too much, then you can go in. If, if I had a choice, I mean, you're going to shout at me here. But if I had a choice right now, maybe because I'm getting old, I'd go for, for Proshida. That's where I'd go. All right. It's not strictly Napoli, though. No. You're cheating. I'm cheating. I know. But yeah. what is it? 40 minutes on a boat? Is it something like that? Yeah, it is. But I don't know. Is it comfortable enough? I mean, just like taking a boat every time you have to go somewhere. It's That's a true. very nice place. It's a paradise. But it's far. It's far. I mean, it's, it's an island. Okay. <laughs> there are no I'm bridges. So. I'm sorry. And it was, I was there and I remember I mentioned, I was having a meal and I mentioned Massimo Trezzi to, to the restaurant owner just in that English tourist way going. And obviously I didn't realize exactly how, how he was considered by the people in, in Proshida because of Il Postino. If you haven't seen the movie, right. because you have to watch it. Well, any ah, easy, you mean, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah so. I told the restaurant owner and he just started crying because <laughs> he was, you're still so moved by his sort of tragic early death. Oh. Anyway. Uh, let, let me tell you something then. I live right now, I'm speaking from a place which is exactly the building where Massimo Troisi used to live. Like literally oh. in this, bu- this building, there are still Troisi people at the I, two floors. Two floors. Uh, like I, I live in the, on the second floor and the Troisi family lives on the fourth floor. <laughs> oh, please. I mean, I'm not even joking. Please pass on the best wishes of Dr. Henry Bell, who is a professor, <laughs> a lecturer of drama and theatre. I teach... I teach him because he's a genius and one of the great, and whenever I talk about my all time Napoli 11, I always put him in it. Cause I think you need him in the dressing room, you know, a great entertainer such as him. And honestly, okay. So the big famous film is Il Postino. Do, do you have a recommendation of another one for people if, if they want to go deeper on one of Napoli's most talented artistic sons? Yes, there are a couple of movies I really like. I think the best one, the one I would recommend is Ricomincio da Tre. That's, that's really nice. That's really great. A lot of very nice quotes from the movie. It's amazing. Very stupidly funny. And just tell us the, the premise of this film, because it's quite fun, isn't it? The, the actual premise. The premise of the film is that this guy is from Napoli and he wants to move away from Napoli. And everyone asks, which is something a lot of people do. I did it as well. And a lot of people say, ah, you're moving away because, you know, you, you can't find a job here. You don't really like Napoli. So you're moving away to find like better luck. And he says, no, why should I? I'm not moving away because I, I don't like it here. Why, why is everyone asking me that? I'm just moving away because I want to experience, you know, I want to have other experiences. So he goes away, he goes to Florence, he goes to other places. And it's really fun. It's really, really fun. It absolutely uh, is great. And you can, you can get a DVD with English subtitles as well. I, I have one. So great. Okay. Good to get a bit of culture. We've, we've painted the picture of, of where you are and part of the, the vast cultural heritage. I mean, we've already listened to Enrico Caruso before, um, but yeah, it, it, it carries on. But let's talk about football because, you know, that's, I suppose it's what we're here for. So we're coming in off the back of a, of a, of a 2-1 victory over Udinese. And Michele, you were there in Curva B, right? Yes, as always. So, as always, absolutely. So um, you talked brilliantly in the first show about the atmosphere before the game uh, against Milan and how it felt like a Champions League thing. Now, as you put out on your Twitter account, at Napoli Tickets, uh, before the game, you were saying that actually a lot of tickets have been sold and it was sold out really sold out yeah yes and it was watching here it was so obvious that it was full but tell me what it was like beforehand did you get there nice and early as usual and get get and get singing i tried but i couldn't i tried i was very late this time you know i was going with two friends and i was super late and very stressed because the game was at 3 p.m italian time on saturday which is, I think, the worst time and the worst day in terms of traffic. So I was stuck in traffic for like an hour and a half. And I was planning to leave my house at 11 a.m. That's how early I planned to leave. But I couldn't. I couldn't until like 12.30. So yeah, my friends were angry at me. And yeah, I, was, I couldn't help it, unfortunately. I was, I was trying to get some more tickets. To, um, I was trying to cover some very late requests for tickets, which fortunately I was able to, to fulfill. 
but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't really, I couldn't really leave early. So we asked some, some friends of a friend who was coming, who were in Curva B to keep three seats for us, which they said they did. But once we went there, they didn't. So basically I had to watch the whole game. So they, they only had two, t- two seats for us and we we're three. And uh, I had to, I couldn't see it basically for the whole game. Well, I, I don't see it during games anyway, but still, you know, there wasn't space to, 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 to do anything. So I was basically watching the game sideways. I don't know if you can picture it, but I, I, there was a very, let's say, large guy behind me. Okay. And there was a friend of mine on my left. So I was just basically, uh, my, my right shoulder was facing the pitch and my left shoulder was facing the stand. And that, that's how I watched the game. You're the whole game. Then. You're like a sardine. In a, in a exactly. Bottle. Yeah. I you know, it. and, but the thing is that, yeah, some friends, like my friends were complaining like, oh, but you know, we have no space, we have no room, you know, it's gonna, it's not gonna be enjoyable. But then I remind them then in the eighties and in the, in the nineties, that's how people watch games in Napoli, you know, like my father used to tell me because basically the stadium has remained the same, you know, since the fifties, since it was built, there have been slight changes. So for example, they obviously added the roof, they added the seats. By law, now every it, every stadium in Italy has to have seats, so the capacity has reduced. But basically, the structure, the main structure of the stadium, is the same. So, in the eighties, used to have around ninety thousand people, a hundred thousand people per game, and now it's fifty-two thousand. Yeah. But the space is the same. You know, they only added seats, so they can only sell as many tickets as there are seats. But still, you know, my father tells me there was absolutely no space to do anything there. Everyone was sideways. And yeah, so that's what I reminded people. It was a little bit of a, you know, 80s, 80s feelings. Well, but, you know, the greatest decade to, to be a Napoli fan. And sorry, I just can I absolutely love the idea of your friend in a packed Corvo B trying to keep three seats free. I mean, that is like... That's optimistic, Michele, no? But you can do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have told them to do it. You can do it. If you put, like, some jackets or, like, a bag or a backpack somewhere on the seats and you leave one seat, one seat empty between you and your friends, you can do it. You know, there are, like, tricks and tips you can, you can follow to do that. I've done it many, many times. Like, right. I, I've, I've kept, like, three or four seats empty alone for friends that were coming. So I think there, some of them were just newbies. You know, they didn't know. They had no idea what to do, but fortunately, the guy, the large guy to my to my right, didn't really care. He was like, "Yeah, no, no worries, man." So yeah, nice. all good. Top lad. What was his name? Did he did he did he catch his name? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But I nonetheless hugged him when Napoli scored. But no, I have no idea what his name is. We'll we'll call him Chiro. Grazie, grazie, Chiro. Um, <laughs> he so- looks like a Chiro, yeah. So when you you got there a bit late, so but what were the what were the vibrations like? So how what was the atmosphere? Was there was it similar to Milan? Was it a bit tense? What was the what was the feeling? I think the feelings when when it's an when it's an evening game, it's always more exciting. I think it's because you know all big games usually happen in the evening. You know if you have a big game, huge game, it usually takes place in the evening, like Champions League games, for example, like finals and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, playing at 3 p.m. is not ideal in terms of, you know, uh, like excitement, let's say that. It's a little bit more comfortable, especially because you can go back home by train. Whereas, yeah, if, if Navali plays in the evening, there are no trains to come back. But other than that, you know, it was super packed. You know, it, I really like it. I really like this Sunday, well, Saturday days, which you basically dedicate to the game and that's it so you wake up you think about the game you start going to the stadium watch the game and then you leave and you talk about the game for the rest of the day especially if napoli wins so you can definitely feel that while you go to the stadium you know basically again as i told you there was an hour and a half of traffic uh, to go to the stadium and everyone i mean everyone is stuck in traffic is going there is going to fori grotta so you can already feel you see people inside cars with scarves you know people sometimes people um have scarves waving uh, outside the cars while we while they drive on the tangentiale. That's really fun. I love it. When you go through tunnels, everyone uh, you know just screams and shouts, and uh, yeah, they use their car horns to to create some kind of atmosphere. I really love it. It's really fun. 
and uh, I love that too. So, so before the game, what I mean, I, I think we know what what the songs are, but what was the what were the songs that were particularly coming coming out of Kofa B? That's always the usual, you know. It's uh, I think I really really like the the chance we 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 use. I really like the attitude of the ultras. But this game, I was telling my friends, you know, they've kind of changed their attitude lately, because a few years ago they were very aggressive. Let's say, you know, the, the ultras are kind of as I said last time. They are, the ultras are very a very close group, so they always had an attitude of. You know, we are us and you are you and you are not us. So you don't belong here, kind of, you know. Mm. But still, they, they, try to, they try to involve people in the chance because obviously the trust are not that many. I think it's not even like 500, 400 people. So if you want to make noise in the stadium, you need non-Ultrust fans to chant along with trust. And I never liked the attitude of the trust where they kind of, well, I wouldn't say threatened, but they were like, very aggressive like you if you don't chant you're a you're an idiot you know why do you even come to the stadium if you're not chanting which is true i agree but there are ways to say it which will produce better results so this time around i was in front of a couple trust the guy uh, launching the chance there are like five or six in the whole curva b and this guy was very supportive i loved it it was like a it's like a curva's father you know it's it was really supportive it was at one point he was giving us uh, some kind of lecture on how to actually pronounce words. It was like, oh, you're going like to the whole, like with a megaphone to the whole curva. It was like, you're going too it. fast. You're going too fast. You know, you have to go slow. You're, you're going too fast. Chant with me, just follow me. And it was like, kind of like very carefully enunciating every word. And yeah, I, will lo- I-, I loved it. And then we, when we, when he was satisfied, he was like nodding with his head. It was like, giving us the, the thumbs up. And I was so proud. I was telling my friends, look, he's happy. I've never seen a happy old trust in Kurva B. We are, we are making him proud. That was so fun. But so yeah, I think that... It sounds like I'm going to be out of a job, Michele. There is a performance lecturer in Kurva B who's giving, giving voice lessons, giving pronunciation lessons. I love it. I love it. This guy. Find out what his name is. We have to, we have to maybe try to talk to him. <laughs> I know he belongs to the Fedayin of Trust because that's what it was written on his megaphone. But yeah, it was really nice. So if he's listening to us, and I'm sure he is, then thank you, couple Trust, because you really made a difference, I feel. And I do think, okay, this is a serious thing to talk about because I do think, I mean, I'm a terrible plastic fan, really, but like... <laughs> Even sitting on the sofa, I've noticed a difference. And I'm sure lots of people listening who, for whatever reason, can't, can't get to Naples, have noticed a difference in the atmosphere in that stadium. And it's interesting that you're saying there is this slight change in atmosphere. And it, has this been since the Corva released that, that, that statement that you translated before the Milan game? Or would you say that this is a little bit, this goes back even further? No, I think it goes back even further. But I, I wouldn't say it's a difference in atmosphere. It's a difference in attitude. So yeah. it's, I think atmosphere is very variable in the Napoli stadium. Obviously for big games, people want to participate more. If there is a bigger stake in winning the game, you know, it's people participate more. But it's, it's not, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's about the trust. Uh, they can help. So for example, if they distribute, they always, they never, like, it's not always the same. I, will f- I feel like when they distribute couple trusts, which are the people who actually launch the chants, when they distribute them throughout the whole curva, then it's easier to involve people. But uh, it's important to understand that not everyone in the curva chants and sings. So the central part of the curva chants, while the sides of the curva really don't, you know, it's really hard to involve them. You know, they chant maybe like the most famous chants, like Un Journal Improviso. They're a little bit more plastic, I would say. Yeah, um, after my which, own heart, but, yeah, yeah, which I don't like, but I do understand that obviously, like if you want to go to the curva, it's not just because you want to chant; it's also because it's cheaper, and some people can only afford to go to the curva. So I totally understand that maybe they don't feel like chanting, they don't know the chants, maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe they are just getting introduced to the chants. You know, this guy, the Chiro, you see, you called him, but this guy next to me, he was literally asking me some questions because he it was his first time in Curva B. So he was telling me, I was eating a panino uh, kindly given to me from, from my friend because I didn't bring any. I forgot. I was taking care of the tickets. I, couldn't, I didn't even have time to, to get a panino for me. 
But this, well, I was eating the panino. This guy asked me, are we allowed to eat in here? It was such a weird question, but it's not totally unfounded because it's, it is true that there are some rumors that you can do a lot of things in the curva. Like some people think you can wear a scarf. Some people think you can wear shirts. Some people think you can eat. And they are partially true, all of them, although I've never been bothered by, well, only one, actually, not me, but some friends yep. were bothered by a couple's trust while they were eating a panino. Actually, it was a frittata di maccheroni, like pasta, fry, fried pasta. And this get guy that, was, Get that in my veins, man. I love that stuff. <laughs> it was so funny. This guy came to us and just said, what, what are you doing? Oh, we're eating. But why are you eating? Because we are hungry, but you don't eat here, he said. You know, it was very kind. But it was, it was. This is, this is pure theater, Michele. This is like no, and it's beautiful. Every every time something happens, you know, it's. I have so many anecdotes, you know. But there's a whole you, thing. There's a whole thing about like audience etiquette, like in the theater, like you can't talk, you can't rustle your sweets. Yeah. And like, I mean, personally, I hate it because I think you should do what the do what the hell you like. Um, I agree. But um, and also, I love this. I I like what you're saying because like there isn't one way to be a football fan, and I think we you know we see it on Twitter sometimes. It's really boring conversation. You're not a real fan. It's like nah. you're a fan of a club if you support the club. Um, so this sounds great. So what what happened then when uh, Udinese scored? Did that have a negative effect on the crowd? From yeah, where man. I sat, I was really impressed with how the crowd stayed with the team personally. But I'm interested to hear your perspective. No, no, no. It was. A hundred percent, like you said. So what, when Udinese scored, we were in the middle of a chant, like a long chant. I, I don't remember which one, but we were in the middle of it. And then Udinese scored, but we didn't drop the chant. So we just continued it. And uh, we, we, nev- we never stopped. And uh, even though it was very depressing, because it was also a very depressing first half, we didn't stop the chant and we just kept going. And uh, yeah, ho- hopefully that made a difference. But, you know, like performance-wise, it was a really bad first half. We didn't try nearly enough. Yeah. Uh, this time around, I wasn't sitting behind a flag, so I couldn't, I, I could actually see the game, the whole game. Okay. And, uh, yeah, no, there wasn't, uh, well, it, maybe it would have been better to have a flag in front of me during the first half because that was painful to watch. Uh, Next time, bring your own flag, and if it's terrible, with, yeah. you can just put it in front of your eyes. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. No, but it was, yeah, no. When when Udinese scored, it was. I wouldn't say it was expected, but it wasn't also unexpected, if you know what I mean. You know, it was in the air. Udinese was really trying hard, and we. I, I wouldn't say we conceded too much, but still, you know, like they were really trying, and sooner or later, if they keep trying, something will happen. It happened against Milan. With a kind of weird goal, and this time around, Delofeo, which is a player I love, I always liked it. Same here. Yeah, it was with, with a very great well shot, doesn't he? He always plays well against us, and yeah, yeah, it was a beautiful shot. And was, you were behind the goal, right? That was no, no. Yeah. This time around, so all three goals were scored in Curva A, so really far away from me. So oh. I couldn't really, yeah, I couldn't really tell. You know, I couldn't tell when Di Lorenzo got injured because it was also in Curva. Everything happened in Curva A this time. Okay, so, so should we, yeah. we should have a word with, with Spalletti and say, look, mate, if you're going to listen to our podcast, steal our tactical ideas, the least you can do is set the team up to do things in front of Michele, who may be squeezed up against the Giro, so he needs to see things. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It was underpowered. And I think, you know, talking about tactics, actually, that we, we talked about this last week and uh, Raf and Raf on the, on the Napoli rant were talking about this when we talking to Patrick Kendrick, that we have different options now. And actually, I wasn't sure the 4-3-3 was a great idea against this Udinese. I thought that actually a 4-2-3-1 would work better here. And um, so we got to halftime and Spalletti, to his credit, changed things at halftime. And I think that was really bold. And I think that's what won us the match. What were people talking about at halftime? Or were people just concentrating on going to the toilet and eating a panino? I was in a panino myself. People were going to the toilet too. But the, the, the good sign was that as soon as people, as soon as the players went inside the tunnel to go to the, to the dressing rooms at, uh, at the end of the first half, uh, Mertens started to, to warm up immediately. And he was warming up, uh, at least this happened, and he was warming up under Curva B. So that yes. was very exciting. You could, tell, you could tell immediately that he was warming up to get in. Which was weird because the Spalletti never does that, right? It's very rare for Spalletti to have um, substitutions at the, at the beginning of the second half. 
But he was already training with his uh, shirt on. With uh, it was training really hard. It was warming up really hard. So you could tell that he was he was about to get in. Uh, it's not always the case because a lot of players, especially the ones on the bench, they usually stay on the pitch during the you know between the first and the second half. They pass the ball around. You know they have some fun. So it's not always the case that if a player remains on the pitch, they actually get substituted in. But it was clear. By the way, Mertens was uh, warming up, but the intensity with which he was warming up, that he would get in. And that was good. That was a good sign because we need Mertens. We like Mertens, but not just because he's our Chiro. We like Mertens because he's an actually good player. You know, he's the best scorer in the history of this club, right? So he's a wonderful, could, wonderful. Yeah, we, we all thought he would give something to the team, and he did. Indeed. And I agree with you. The 43 for this game was probably wrong. It's very easy to say it in hindsight, but it was wrong. You know, it's like way too many people in midfield against a very crowded midfield um, from Udinese as well. So, yeah, we didn't really find any space there. And uh, there, yeah. there wasn't anything going on between the lines for, for me. That, that was, yeah, people got, I think Fabian, he didn't have a great game. I think, I think he needs a bit of a rest, to be honest. Um, a bit like how Zelinski did. I personally, I would I'd bring Zelinski in for, for the next game and, and, and rest Fabian. But, um, so when when it was clear that that Chiro, not the Chiro that you were next to, the Chiro on the pitch, you're surrounded by Chiros. Um, when it was clear that he was going to be coming on, did did the cover react to it? Was there any communication between the cover and Mertens? A lot of people started clapping and cheering him. Yeah. Basically, as soon as he removed his um, his uh, training shirt, and as soon as he showed us, the, you know, the, the actual playing shirt, the red shirt with with which we played. We, we immediately understood that he was about to be substituted in and uh, everyone cheered and went clapped. You know, it was really nice. And he, he waved at us. So, yeah, it was, he appreciated the, the cheering. He got but, you know, everyone was relieved. You know, people were relieved because we needed something. We needed something, tactically speaking, to break Udinese because we, Udinese played their game perfectly in the first half and we needed something to counter their tactics. Yeah, Which and they, yeah, I thought, I thought it was really smart that uh, Beto, Beto, whatever his name is, he was basically just kicking the hell out of Lobotka. I don't know if he noticed this, and I think that um, they obviously noticed how important Lobotka is to the rhythm of of Napoli, and they okay. disrupted that rhythm. I thought it was a really smart tactical move, and then obviously bringing Chira on is that you, you, what you're doing is that you're you've kind of got two creative focal points in the middle of the pitch, which I thought was really smart from Spalletti. And it completely counteracted that sort of pressure that was being put on uh, Lobotka, I thought. So, I mean... I agree, yes. Yeah, good. There we go. It's good that we get the, these tactical chats in for, for Spalletti because we know he listens. He listens. Absolutely, very, yeah. 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 100% listens. That's, that's out of the question. He, yeah, for... He's, he's one of our many million listeners. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Okay, so you've painted a really vivid picture so far. So then, so then the goals go in. So what? Tell me, talk, talk me through what it was like when, when the first one and then, and then the second one went in. So you know, like again, it was really far away from me, but fortunately, I didn't have any flag in front of me, so I could clearly see it. It was a relief. It was a relief. It was everything we needed, and uh, yeah, it's it was very clear that. You know, it's, it was a great goal. I really liked it. And uh, we, we started the second half by chanting as loud as we could. Once again, uh, there was a lot of a very good participation by the whole Curva this time around. Like a lot of people uh, contributed to the chance and uh, even the distinti a little bit, which usually it's a section where people don't chant, was contributing as well. That was, that was fun and that was needed. And uh, yeah, after the first goal, you know, we were all in. Where no, we have to win this. A lot of the chance we 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 did were about winning the game. Nice. And actually, at the at the end of the first half, there was a chant for the team, basically just saying, you know, don't give up, don't give up, you know, just 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 try your best and don't give up, something like that. And, oh, nice. uh, yeah. Okay, and I think that way. I mean, it was really for me. I could really, and we talked about this in the first episode, that communication between the fans and the players, and I thought it was so evident in that in that second half. I think the tactical switch to bring medicines on helped too, but there was this 
And the fact that you're bringing on someone that's so adored and loved by the crowd, I think is also a smart thing to do. So the whole team kind of got the lift in. That leap from Aussie men, I mean, what, and a great, um, great ball in from, uh, you know, Ballon d'Or winner, 2023, Mario <laughs> Rhee, you know, I hope. Um, the one and only. Yeah. What's the, um, what do people think of him in the cover? Because he's had mm. such a up and down with Napoli, but he's, there's part of me that actually rather loves him, actually. Mario Rui, you know, is really fun. I don't know why. Don't ask me why, because I have no idea. But I, I nonetheless contribute to it. So basically, before the game starts, you know, while the team warms up, basically what happens is that the, uh, Napoli warms up in the Curva B side of the pitch. And usually the away team warms up to, um, towards the Curva side, okay? So where, where I am, we see Napoli's warm-up very clearly. You know, they, they warm up right, right in front of us. I don't know why, but lately, I think in the last three or four months, I have no idea why, but the whole curva focuses on Mario Rui. It's so funny to me. It's so funny, man. It's so funny. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea. While I was going inside, so basically the last because thing they the do... the best player in the world, Michele. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree. Everyone understood that. And uh, yeah, that's why everyone focuses on it. But basically what happens is that when Napoli, when Napoli warms up, the last thing they do before they go back to the dressing room is they try shots. You know, they shoot on goal uh, with a goalkeeper, in, obviously. And uh, they take turns. You know, it's like one at a time, like a shot every 15 or 20 seconds. The, the whole team shoots. And uh, it's really fun because they shoot towards Curva B again. And uh, yeah, we can see clearly every, everyone shooting. And we can kind of tell if they're going to be good or bad. For the whole game, because well, usually Insigne misses all shots, actually, which is funny. <laughs> and Mario Rui, Mario Rui has some crazy shots and amazing, amazing shots. And for some reason, for some reason, like people are kind of lukewarm when other players shoot during this phase. But when when Mario when it's Mario Rui's turn, everyone pays attention. Everyone is like, you know, like the anticipation, like oh, then he shoots, and if he scores, like. We celebrate like if it's a, yeah, like it's a normal goal. You know, like yeah. I, I swear the whole curva does. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't score, if he doesn't score during this phase, then everyone's like, oh, you know, <laughs> so imagine like ten thousand people doing this every time Mario Rui shoots. And it's funny because he's always the last one as well uh, in this phase. So everyone shoots and then goes to the dressing room. He's always he's the one who, which who stays on the pitch the longest. I'm not while warming up so it's, it's the last one shooting and then after he shoots he scores or not whatever but then after he shoots he he, he sprints really really fast towards the the dressing room the, towards the tunnel you know and it's so fun it's so funny everyone cheers everyone claps when he does that it's i mean it's so funny i swear I mean, it's out it happens only with mario rui only with mario rui and this time around i told you i was late to go to the stadium so while i was getting in i was at the turnstile and I started to hear the, the cheers, you know, like everyone cheering. I said, okay, Marirui has just scored another goal during warm-up. <laughs> we have to go fast. Let, let's run. You know, I was saying to my friends, you know, run because we're missing Marirui shoots. I love so, it. Yeah, this it is was... great. I really feel like I'm there. I mean, I think there is that affection for just... And at the moment, Napoli seems to have quite a lot of players that are complete one-offs. They're like, there's no one else like Marirui. You know, he's... Com- completely mad but he cares and he's given a real go and it was very good to see him get an assist he's got to score an amazing goal this season isn't it he's getting close he keeps hitting the bar or hitting the post but maybe one of these goals will imagine the crowd reaction if he scores a goal at home what would you think would happen to to the stadio maradona if that it will will fall down will crumble (laughs) and uh, everyone i had a i had a bet with some friends uh, a few years ago we are basically like if this high scores, we, we, we have to buy his shirt. And everyone, like a group of six people, we all have to go and buy his shirt if he scores. Okay. I think with Mario Rui, we have to do something. We haven't done it yet, but we have to do something like that. It's, it's, you know, it's more dangerous because his high never scores. But I'm with gonna... Mario Rui, there is a danger. He might score. And I really don't feel like spending 125 euros to buy a Mario Rui shirt. But then again, you know, if I bet on it, I have to do it. I have to follow up. 
I think we have to make the commitment here on on air, Michaela. That if if Mario, okay, if Mario Ruiz, I, I don't my own grieve. If he scores at home between now and the end of the season, I I'm gonna get one, and my girlfriend will kill me. But I I will. <laughs> I have to secretly buy a, a, a Mario Ruiz shirt. No, anyway, okay, and then okay, the, fair enough. I'll do it and, as well. And then we get and we get the winner. Um, assist from Di Lorenzo, the other fullback. Um, another great goal and presumably so the first one was relief what was the second one how would you sum that one up total joy <laughs> we were so happy so happy we i to be honest i didn't really believe i'm i was kind of pessimistic during the game because i really didn't like the first half so i didn't believe we had it in us to turn it around so once we did it was, a, I would say, at least on my part, it was a cautious uh, celebration because it was, I was happy, obviously, and I celebrated like crazy as usual. But I didn't feel like the result would remain the same. I think I'm just being traumatized like too many times by this team. But I really felt like, I really felt, I even told my friend, I, I said to him, this game is going to end 2-2 because that's the classic Napoli result. You know, like when you turn it around, you do everything, you dominate the second half, and then you concede some stupid goal in the last second, and then that's it. Then it's, yeah, and the then it's too late. Yeah, 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 and exactly. then it's too late to fix it. And so I really felt like at one point I, I, I watched at the clock and it was like the 88th minute. I was like, wow, we can actually do it. We can actually win this game. I can't believe it. I honestly didn't believe it. And uh, also because right now there are a lot of big stakes here. So every game, I know it's, Everyone says that all the time, coaches, players, but I actually believe and I actually feel like every game now, it's a final. Every time. And you can actually feel, you know, the atmosphere at the stadium, even this time around, even if it wasn't an evening game. Okay, I'm just going to say, I'm just, I don't, I'm just going to say, it felt like a Scudetto atmosphere. I'm going to say. Okay. You've I, gone there. Uh-oh. Yes, yes. No, because it's true, you know, it's true. I don't want to say it, but I honestly felt like, okay, there is something special going on here. No, it because, feels like that. I mean, it feels like that on the sofa in Scotland, to be honest. It feels like whatever happens, we're going to be talking about this moment for years and years and years and years to come. We are part of a really special season. We're in the conversation. Juve fans, you know, Atlanta fans, Roma fans, they don't have the same thing that, that we have and, and Milan fans have and Inter fans. And, you know, we're not saying we're going to win the Scudetto, but we're saying it feels like there's this is in the air that we're part of this title right so i think go for it michele no it's uh when you when you step inside the stadium you can i, I can even tell you why or how but you can tell you can tell there is something different it's i'm not just saying it you know i'm not, not just saying it because it feels nice to say i honestly like i've been going to the stadium regularly for 15 years now mm-hmm. and you can tell you can tell the difference it's not just because the stadium was full which again, it doesn't really happen that often. You can tell there is something special going. You can tell that people are there because they expect, you know, they kind of hope for something big to happen, you know, something bigger. You can tell that people are very exciting. It usually has to do with the fact that people go there very early, not like me on Saturday. But yeah. then again, I, I got in, I wasn't even that late, you know, for my standards, it was late, but I got in at like 30 minutes before the game started. So it wasn't that late. No, and that, the stadium is like normal for, for you. Can't. No, for me, for me, it's extremely late, and the stadium was already full. Like, well, seventy-five percent, but everyone who had a ticket was already inside, basically. And uh, when again, when there is a lot of anticipation, when people have a lot of expectation for the game, for the result, for the outcome of the game, they go there early, not just for, to avoid traffic and queues, but because they are excited. And uh, you can tell, you know, you can really, really tell. Uh, and does that translate after the game, like on the streets, you know, on the on the way back, or on the train, or you know, when you're walking around the city? Beautiful, beautiful. You know, like it, when when you leave the stadium after a win, everyone has a smile. Uh, the ultras keep chanting, and uh, we did. We we kept our, actually. Let me see if I can. I'm gonna try something. I don't know if it's gonna work, but I he recorded like a 50 seconds voice note I sent to a WhatsApp chat after the game. So this is after the game ended. Was I think it was when the, the players so basically when the when the game ends the players well, when we win at least the players go around the whole stadium to to thank the fans I would say and uh, when we win everyone remains in the stadium for another like fifteen twenty minutes to celebrate with the players and uh, they start from Curva 
they go uh, near the distinti and make their way to curva B, and then they go to the dressing room. So while they were coming towards curva A, curva B, sorry, where I was, I recorded this. Let's say like it's us chanting with the players after the game ended. Let's see if I can. I'll play it, can man. Hit. Let's see. Even if it's not great quality, I think it will. It will, it will make it's worth us having a hit. And that was after the game. That was after the game ended. So I've got goosebumps, man. Like it's so beautiful to hear it. Like so, like in the middle of it all, it feels like a scudetto. It's that I. It's, you're so right that 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 feels special. Whether or not it's <laughs> yeah. gonna happen, I, I don't want to say it, but it does. It does, man. Especially because this chant, this chant, I think was created during the Sari era. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was at least popularized during the Sari era when we were fighting for the Scudetto. So when you chant it, and some of the chants similar to this one actually have the, the part where people chant Napoli become champion again. So they're actually chanting Napoli, for Napoli torna, to become Torna Campione. Campione. That's not this chant, no. but still the same. When people are chanting this chant, it's because they're hoping for the Scudetto. Let's just, you know, let's, let's be honest here. I'm no, I'm very so scared. We're not saying that they go to win this category. Just say what? No. We're not saying that. No, we're just no. saying that it feels like we're caught up in a in a magical moment. Not their magic, eh? Or so, you know something. Something's happening. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I for the record, I'll just say I don't believe we will win, and uh, I'm not sure how realistic I'm being here. It's just uh, probably I'm just saying to protect myself, you know, because if I I can't live to through another 2018 again. Uh, I'm still I scared. Think, I don't think anyone can. And I think you've said it on the first show that rationality goes out of the window when you're in the cover. And there's, I will make no apologies for that, that we are getting carried away. Um, wonderful. Thank you, Michele. That was such a beautiful insight into the cover. You, you, you put us there. And that's what's the great thing I'm really enjoying about the show is your, your ability to, to paint the picture. It's, it's beautiful stuff. Um, but we got some... We got some quite fun interactions this week with our listeners. Thank you very much, everybody, for, for bringing some things in. Um, the one I want to start with is from uh, Chris Kelly, who is a great lad, who's a, a Yorkshire Napoli fan. And I was saying after our chat last week, has anyone got a favourite bar or restaurant to you know in Naples to watch to watch the game? And interestingly, nobody came up with them, but Chris, which I think rather aligns with what you were saying, but Chris plugged his local Neapolitan restaurant in Leeds, which is called uh, Napoli nel cuore. There you go. Which speaks a little bit to, to that chant that you're saying. Now, I sent you, Michele, the, the menu of, of Napoli nel cuore to say, from your perspective as a, as a man in Naples, what would be the dish you would go for from this menu? Tell me. It was a great menu. There were a lot of classics, but I I focused on the on the starters, the antipasti, and I really love me some cuoppo di mare. You know, cuoppo mare napolitan, which is basically a started with a started with uh, it's basically like a cone, like a paper cone with a lot of fried seafood, so mm-hmm. fried calamari, uh, you know, uh, some octopus in there, and it's really really good. I really, I would, I would, I would get that. Okay. Well, maybe one day, if you're ever in Leeds, Leeds is a, it's a, it's a great city. Yorkshire is a great place. I, I worked, I lived and I worked there for about 10 years uh, and I studied there as well. It's a, it's a, it's a great uh, county, Yorkshire. Um, so there we go. Thanks, Chris. Uh, we we, we want to hear more about this, this, this restaurant. And it is a proper Neapolitan family that run the restaurant, apparently. So um, there you go. You're probably living in the building with, with some of their family. It seems like everybody lives in your, in your in your building <laughs> um so there you go chris uh really interesting question we got just in at the last minute from someone called trevor ward it's at will write for cake um he says maradona died 16 months ago covid denied me a pilgrimage to either buenos aires or naples now my time has come and i'm arriving in naples in may for a weekend what are the sites and experiences you recommend for fans to pay their respects absolutely brilliant question trevor um, Michele, what's your what, what's your advice? 
So that's something I think we are lacking in Napoli. So there are a lot of places where you can experience the team outside the stadium. So as you probably know, the training center is very far away from Napoli. It's not in Napoli, first of all, and it's quite far away. It's not even the province of Napoli. It's a kind of a weird area to be honest i wouldn't even recommend it's not even open so i wouldn't recommend going there anyway um there are no offices in napoli so if you want to go to like napoli's headquarters there is no napoli headquarters in napoli no but it's hang on Ro- hang on hang on we're, we're talking about maradona here but- i know still still it's like a it's 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 a bigger i'm just trying to paint the bigger picture you know like because i get a lot of these questions where what can i do you know to experience the team and maradona a lot of people ask me about maradona when I come to Napoli, and sadly the answer is not, well, there are many places, but for Maradona specific, specifically, I would recommend, first of all, to go to Quartieri Spagnoli. So that's the classic, right? There's a murales, the street art with Maradona there. It's a very historic, it was painted, I think, in the, in the 80s, probably. Well, for sure, yeah, because Maradona was in Napoli before that. Yeah. And uh, 80s or 90s anyway. And uh, it's it's been uh, restored, I think, uh, four or five years ago, but it's basically still the same. And uh, they expanded it a little bit. So now the, the whole area, it was basically just a, a parking slot before that. And now it's a whole area where with, uh, with Napoli scarves and Napoli memorabilia and stuff like that. It's really nice. So I would recommend you go there. Um, I just, I just say the name of the districts just once more. Quartieri Spagnoli. So it's it's in the historic center. So it, super it, famous, and there's lots of like small streets and stuff. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, for Maradona, there's another Maradona murales from uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Jorit or Jorit, which is a famous uh, Napoli street artist. Yep. And uh, that's the version of Maradona in his I think in his fifties when he was coach of Argentina. That murales is in Barra, so it's a little far away. It's actually towards where I am, but it's definitely not easy to go there. Some people ask me how to get there. It's, I mean, you can get the taxi, I guess. It's definitely not in Napoli center, and uh, it might be worth it. It's a nice mural. It's huge. It's very big. And it's sort of like the whole of a side of a building. It's, I mean, exactly. It's- yeah, that's the one. Yeah, exactly. Then there are uh, maybe a couple other places where you can go. Again, there are... There aren't really, there isn't really anything to do there, but like I would recommend people go maybe to Posilipo. There was, like, you can go to Maradona's old house. I don't know exactly where it is. I, I have to Google it. I, I don't think it's hard to find, but obviously Maradona had to live somewhere when he was here and he used to live in this uh, nice house in Posilipo, which is still, still there, obviously. So some people like to go there. And there's another place, which is the Napoli's old training center. Uh, which is in Napoli, it's in Soccavo, it's called uh, Centro Paradiso, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, once again, there isn't a lot of stuff to do there because this place has been, um, is abandoned, basically. There's nothing to do. You can get in legally, at least. Uh, It's just just some ruins of a very historic and old training center where Maradona used to go. And and I think actually part of the hand of God for the, the, the Sorrentino movie is actually shot there. Uh, but oh. in some ways, those sites are the best place to go and pay your respects. Remember, I went to the, um, there's a mural on the wall in Paris for um, uh, Serge Gainsbourg, and it was beautiful. And okay, there wasn't a whole bunch of stuff to do there, but you just have that silent moment there and you feel like you're sort of connected to, to, to genius briefly. I think those three are excellent recommendations i i need to come and actually see the the giant mural on the side of the building what what area is that again where where the giant mural is the second one i said yep barra barra okay cool apologies my pronunciation okay that's great i mean michele i mean we've covered so much today oh my god and yeah i daniel bone you sent a question we haven't answered that i'm sorry we love you we're going to get you on for the next away game to find out um what the atmosphere is there um so we're just kind of wrapping things up. So what you were, uh, what, anything, any last messages? So we need to do our Neapolitan phrase of the week. We slightly adapted it to make it a bit. So what would you, what would your Neapolitan phrase of the week be this week, Michele? Oh, I have, there are so many, you know, it's, it's just hard to, 
it's kind of hard to translate, I guess. But uh, yeah, we don't know how to translate it. There is a, I'm just going to say, so in Napolitan it goes, Ricetto papi vicino a noce, dammo tempo che te spertos. It's very hard to translate. It's basically uh, an insect which attacks uh, walnuts. Basically, this insect, which is papiche, I don't know how to say it in, in English. The papiche says to the walnut, give me some time that will get inside you. Which is basically a saying to say, you know, given time and effort, you can accomplish anything. Beautiful. And uh, I really like this saying. It's really fun, to be honest, even to say it. Uh, it's kind of ironic and uh, it applies to us, you know, sooner or later, you know, given time and effort, we can get there. We can reach the goal, which we all want, which I'm not going to say again. I've said it too many times during this yeah. podcast. Okay, we're, we're now going to refer to the thing we don't talk about as the walnut. Okay. From now on, <laughs> like we will, we will not call it by its name. Uh, great. Cause your um, Katsissima last week had, had a really good, did I say that right? Katsima. Katsima. Oh shit. I'm sorry, everybody. Katsima. Katsima had the desired effect because we that's exactly what we had on the pitch. So with the, can you give us the whole expression once more? Ricetto rammo tempo That's what we're gonna have between now and the end of the season. And we might even end up with the walnuts. Michele, grazie mille per oggi. Absolutely wonderful. Um you can be found on Twitter at Napoli Tickets, right? Um, yeah. And I can be found on Twitter on at Henry Bell Calcio. This is part of the Far From Vesuvius network, which is at Far From Vesuvius. Please give us a follow. Please give this a retweet. Let's get people finding out about the show. We're really happy with the amount of listeners we've got, but we can always do with more. Um, fantastic. Everybody at home, take care. And Forza Napoli. Sempre. Sempre.